Next on BYU Sports Nation, game day for BYU Hoops. The Cougars sing shades of mean green tonight after a Beehive State bracket buster win on Saturday. The play-by-play voice of North Texas, Hank Dickerson, joins us for a live all-access look at the mean green, plus the early season Y factors for BYU basketball. And BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler making his weekly stop on the show why he feels BYU bested Utah State and the legacy of BYU running back Jamal Williams. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Tuesday, December 3rd, what is up? Man, it looks like December 3rd in Provo, Utah. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with an expert driver in the inclement weather, Jerem Jordan. We're grateful to be indoors. I'm just, I'm just glad I got here in time and finally had to use the shovel I bought at Costco. Oh, you used it today? Yeah. Got a boy. Yeah. You were I up start, early. I started the winter season off right. For those of you that don't have snow, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and lucky you. I forgot. Man, I almost forgot how to drive in the snow. I was living in Palm Springs for the last three years, and uh, this is the first time I've driven in snow. I can't even remember, probably since I lived in Colorado. So Welcome back, Utah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be back, uh, thrown into the fire or the ice, whatever. Uh, wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us at BYU Sports Nation part of your day. Got a great show lined up for you today. Listen, BYU game days are awesome. I don't care if they're playing North Texas. It's a game day, and that means we have plenty to talk about. Also of note, game day for the 6-0 BYU women's basketball team. They're on the road at Nevada like the BYU football team was last Saturday. Yeah, join the conversation with us on the show by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation. You can also comment on and like our Facebook page uh, and vote in today's uh, poll question, which we've just put on Twitter, which is, what's your BYU basketball message on the Utah State whiteboard? Let me explain. In the <laughs> at USU herd, is that what it is? At USU the herd? herd they, uh, they have a whiteboard and they'll write on it and they'll turn around and they'll do that chant or have a message or whatever. So someone on Twitter created uh, a website where you can manipulate the text on the whiteboard. So uh, <laughs> BYU Sports Nation, uh, I've, I've sent it out as well. Uh, this is heaven.net slash USU underscore whiteboard. You can manipulate the text on there. So send us your message on the whiteboard, your BYU basketball message on the USU whiteboard. We've already got some classics. Now, uh, we're not necessarily looking for like bash Utah State. That's not what we're looking for. We're just looking for... What do you want to write on that whiteboard? Send it in, and uh, if there's some good ones, maybe we tweet them out. Granted, the person holding the whiteboard is wearing Utah it's State paraphernalia. So, so, so. That's, that's the thing. So, you know, you know, BYU Sports Nation tweeted one out last night. We admit it, BYU Sports Nation is legit. That's what it said on the USU whiteboard. <laughs> oh. Crazy that they would write that. Classics, I'm telling you. We'll pick out our favorites and read the best on the air today on BYU Sports Nation. Friendly reminder, you can listen to our show every weekday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network Channel 980. Our show also on demand every day on BYURadio.org, or you can catch the rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation? Topic one. Why factors hoop style? Bartley left open. Wow. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler on the call last Saturday night. BYU over Utah State at Energy Solutions Arena. Frank Bartley the fourth, or simply just the fourth. Having quite the freshman campaign, and his coach has taken notice. Well, Frank's had a great week. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, tonight. I mean, he's really added a spark to uh, our team. You know, he's one of the, our best, uh, you know, penetrators as far as taking that ball to the rim and being able to get contact and finish. Has there been a more pleasant surprise on this BYU basketball team than Frank Bartley the fourth? No way. I mean, the kid came out of nowhere, really. Uh, has earned his minutes. He is the sixth man, and he gives BYU such a different look, an attacking look, that uh, I did not anticipate coming into the season. He gives them options uh, that really I don't think they've had in quite a while. I said this before, but I'll say it again. He's what BYU thought they would get out out of Demarcus Harrison two years ago. And you've talked about the offensive side. I like what he does on defense as well. He plays the top of that zone when they go 1-3-1. 
He can. Uh, he's great in transition. He's not afraid to take a big shot from three, as he made a couple of those against Utah State. Frank Bartley has been a nice addition to this team. A freshman from Louisiana whose family was removed because of Hurricane Katrina for a couple months. He goes to a prep school, I believe, in California. And then BYU picks him up late. The signing, the, the regular uh, first signing period for National Letter of Intent is in November. You can also sign guys in May. BYU didn't get him until May. He was a steal. He went to that prep school, established himself, uh, did well on the AAU circuit, I believe, and then BYU found him, a steal of a player, and he's, he's going to be a gem for BYU. You bring up his defense, and the aggression is not only on the offensive side of the ball, but it's certainly on the defensive side of the ball as well. And he plays, I feel like he plays bigger than he really is. They have him at the four. I mean, he, he, he comes, can rebound well. Yeah, exactly. He allows them to, to play a small lineup, but not really give that much up off the glass because he is so aggressive on both sides of the ball. And that small lineup is what created the difference for BYU against Utah State on Saturday night. They really started to find some traction in the second half and pull away with Bartley in the lineup, and, and the Aggies had no answer for BYU's good rebounding, smaller, quicker lineup. For some reason, Utah State could not do what Texas did, despite having similar length. I think that Utah State is big inside and has length. They didn't take advantage of it as much. Uh, they're not as big as Texas, but they were similar. BYU, when, when Mika's in, he's always the five. Now, I say the five. That, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a center. You just have to have people in certain positions, right? So when Frank Bartley comes in, he comes in for Nate Austin. And on Saturday, we saw something that told us a lot. How long or short is the bench for BYU? In a big game where there were no foul, hardly any fouls called in BYU, there were only nine for the game. Short. It was so short. Yep. Anson Winder played one minute. Skyler Halford played. And Frank Bartley played. No, no Josh Sharp. No, uh, no Luke Worthington. It, it was very tight. And Frank Bartley had a big game in that. And he comes in and he plays the four. He rebounds well. And like I said, watch who inbounds the ball when BYU makes a basket. Bartley. It, that guy's the four. When Austin come in, c- comes in, he's the four. When Bartley comes in, he's generally the four as well. BYU, they have a lot of flash players, obviously. Carlino, Haas. Mika, now Bartley stealing some of the limelight. And, and he is most definitely an early season Y factor, an early candidate for West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year if he continues to play this way and be this influential, I think. More than Mika? I feel like, okay, Mika's going to score the points, but Frank Bartley, for me, is super valuable to the BYU team because he allows them to do things that otherwise they could not do. Oh, yeah, I I agree. I just mean, when you talk West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year, your best candidate, it's going to be Mika. Yeah, it's going to be Mika. Okay, you're right there. But I think Bartley is just as valuable. I think his role is just as valuable for BYU because he is so versatile. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Now, the guy that doesn't, that's kind of like flying under the radar and has... Not, not anymore after we talk about him. ...really quiet, good numbers and has been consistent the whole year and is another Y factor for BYU basketball is Kyle Collinsworth. I think, you know, as good as their point guards and their, their two wings are, uh, I think Kyle was able to, uh, to really help us in some of the, the things that we could do uh, as far as being versatile in our, in our defensive approach. That was BYU coach Dave Rose on Kyle Collinsworth. Don't call me Kyle Collingsworth. Doing a very good job against Utah State on Saturday night. His line was ridiculous. And it was that's the thing, it was quiet. I mean, I, I had to be reminded of it after. He had 13 rebounds for BYU. This really started Collinsworth's Collingsworth's. <laughs> we, we give Mark Neely a hard time, the ESPN guy, play-by-play last week. Hit, so Brandon Davies go out. He's out with suspension at the end of Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis is <laughs> Kyle Collinsworth has to play an increased role as a post defender as a freshman. So against Florida in that double overtime loss to end Jimmer's senior season and Jackson, sorry Jackson, Kyle Collinsworth has 16 rebounds in that game. It's a double overtime game, but that sort of started this thing of. Okay, you're, you're a pseudo-point guard. You're sort of the point guard and a half with Carlino. You can get it in transition. You can go. Uh, you're going to go to the bucket. But you're also, on defense, you're all, he's almost playing the four on defense for BYU. And then Bartley sort of plays the three. That's what's kind of going on. But his versatility is fantastic. It, BYU can do so much with Kyle on either side of the ball. 
His weakness is shooting the basketball, although he does have the highest three-point percentage on the team, three for five from three. Not a lot of volume there, but his versatility on both sides of the ball helps BYU. He's, to me, he's, he's one of the biggest cogs on this team. BYU's success uh, hinges on a lot of different places, but to me, the sand between the rocks in the jar, if you will, is Kyle Collinsworth. He literally can play every position on the floor. I'm not kidding. Uh, Dave Rose says, go play the point. Okay. Uh, we need to play shooting guard for two minutes. Fine. Go to the wing. Play the three. Tyler's in foul trouble. Got it. Four. I mean, great passer. Probably not the five, but one through four is good. He could play one through four. Man, I tell you what. He, he is a big-time uh, cog, and I like the, uh, the analogy you bring up, the, the sand, the, the gel guy for BYU, this basketball team. The foundation is built. They're six and two, so now what? We go topic two. Topic two. Hollinger steals it away. The lob for Mika. What's the uh, lob count for Eric Mika right now? Is it at three on the season? I can think of three. I think the one against Utah State. Mace. Was it Mount St. Mary's? There was one. Iowa State, there was one. And uh, wait, what? Was there one against uh, Wichita State or Texas? I want to say there was one there too. I can't remember. So it's three or four. The one against Iowa State's probably the one I remember the most because I put him up 12 and the place was going bonkers. But the one against Utah State was pretty sweet as well on the fast break. Eric Mika, certainly uh, speaking of uh, different dynamics that BYU basketball now has, they have an alley-oop guy. When was the last time BYU had an alley-oop guy? It's been a while. Man. A a consistent alley-oop guy. Has there ever been an alley-oop guy at BYU? Ever? Travis, yeah. Travis Hanson. You could could oop it to Travis Hanson. Trent Playstead had a couple good ones. But Mika is going to be the best alley-oop guy ever. Dave McCann, by the way, on the call last Saturday night, BYU over Utah State. Eric Mika, part of the BYU foundation that is 6-2 through 8 games. They got a huge resume win against the undefeated Aggies last Saturday night. Earlier that week, they beat Texas, lost to Wichita State, but now BYU has wins over Weber State, very capable team. I think they're going to win the Big Sky, Stanford, Texas, and Utah State. That's good. That's a solid foundation. And people say, well, they lost to both ranked teams that they've played, but they didn't lose bad. Those teams are ranked and undefeated. They're really good teams. Wichita State. Iowa State and Wichita State. Iowa State, yes. Great teams. BYU still has at least two more opportunities, assuming that... Oregon is still ranked on December 21st. But with UMass, UMass is going to be ranked on Saturday. They're 21. They're 21, undefeated. UMass has the number one RPI in all of America right now. They've played a really difficult schedule. So BYU still has an opportunity to go get that and further that tournament resume. Yeah, they have some nice wins. If you if you can beat Massachusetts on a neutral floor in, in the same state, so a road game essentially, and then at Oregon, uh, which I'll be at that game, by the way, Traveling for Christmas. I'm going to go down to Eugene, go to that game. So I'm excited about that. See that crazy court. If you can get those two wins, not to mention that team up north that hasn't played anybody, but who knows how good they are or bad for that matter. (laughs) You're looking at a really good non-conference resume that you have. Now the question becomes, what does BYU need to do tonight and this week to prepare for UMass and Utah and Oregon? To me, the thing that sticks out is three-point shooting. BYU's been so inconsistent. Uh, 34% for the season. They had a 10-for-12 performance, which saved the Cougars against Texas, which was a single-game historic performance for BYU in terms of field goal percentage. But you got to shoot the ball better. Absolutely. I mean, the three-point... And that's, that's uncharacteristic uh, of a Dave Rose team um, because they just always shoot the ball well. He recruits good shooters. Well, the last two years, BYU has not had quite the same three-point effect as the previous years. And to me, that's why BYU wasn't quite the same the last two seasons where they did get into the tourney and had that epic comeback against Iona. But if they're a little bit better, they're not playing in a playing game. Last year, if they're a little bit better from three, they're in the tourney. They're not in the NIT. So three-point shooting is a big deal in this. This is a different offense. It's the dribble drive. It's it's more transition. Mika can run better than maybe any any guy in BYU history, big man getting up the court. So it's a little different. But you've got to be able to shoot it. When you're open, you got to make it. Take out the one for 21 against Colorado Mesa. And BYU is 40% for the year. 6% better. <laughs> you take out the 10 for 12 against Texas, and BYU is also uh, 6% better. 
So what's the what's the standard? What's the mark if you're a college basketball team? Is it thirty five percent or better? Is Sorry, six percent worse. That was wrong. Right. Is is it thirty five percent? Is that where is that where you need to be? Because I'm trying I'm trying to gauge. Like I know forty percent shooting from the three point line as a team is is pretty good. Where's average? If BYU is just average, maybe thirty five percent. Last year BYU was thirty three point eight percent from three, and they lost some games. Let's look, let's look at Jimmer's year. What was that ten eleven? Yeah. Jimmer's senior year, three-point shooting, 36%. 3% with the volume of, holy schnackies, BYU shot 865 threes. <laughs> I was going to say, they 3% shot 30- for that much is a huge difference. They shot 36%, but they took a ton, a ton more three-pointers. And that- Jimmer shot 864 of those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Regardless of the three-point percentage, the team is growing. And once again, Coach Rose, very aware of what his team has done to get better uh, just over these past three games. The most important thing is for the players to get confidence in each other as a group. And I think that uh, you know the last four or five games, that, that that's really helped us. And now next week's just as big as the last week. We've got two big ones next week. BYU North Texas tonight on BYU TV, 7 p.m. tip. You can watch it live. You can also listen to it live on BYU Radio. Topic 3. Fight on, Sark. Sarkeesian. Looking. Wide open is McGuire. With a block, he'll go. Cut back behind Lewis. Touchdown, Brigham Young. Oh, one of the great games in BYU football history. Brent Musburger calling the Pigskin Classic back in 1996. BYU and senior quarterback Steve Sarkeesian upset Texas A&M that day. 41-37. The Aggies were ranked 13th. Sarkeesian had a crazy stat line in that game, by the way. Six touchdowns, 536 yards. Well, guess what? The BYU alum now quickly rising to the top of the college coaching pyramid takes the job at USC. That's huge. I We tried to think through all the different BYU alumni who have uh, coached in college. We think We think this is the biggest coaching job that any BYU alumni has ever had at USC. This is a still a premier job, BYU, uh, BYU alum Steve Sarkeesian. That's fantastic. So now, 25% of the Pac-12, well, this was the case for the past two seasons, are co- the Pac-12 coaches are BYU alumni. <laughs> Sarkeesian at USC. Of course, we'd spin at BYU. Leach at Washington State. Didn't play football here, played rugby, but he graduated from BYU. And then Kyle Whittingham, of course, at Utah. Three of the 12. So three of the 12, it was still that way with Sark at Washington, but now it's just USC. Right, which is bigger. And BYU will play USC uh, in 2019. That would be the sixth season for Sarkeesian. We're not discrediting uh, Andy Reid and Billick in the NFL. We're just talking college. This is strictly college coaches. Sarkeesian takes the job at USC. I think it's a great fit for him, and it's a great fit for the school. He knows the program. He's a Pete Carroll guy. He's a winner. And he turned around. That, he turned around that Washington program. I mean, the, the Huskies were in a mess when he took over. Winless. The year that BYU goes up there and Jan Jorgensen blocks a PAT, Washington doesn't win a game that year. That's and a, Jake Locker is the quarterback. What's funny is it's a 10-win BYU team that had to block a PAT against a winningless Washington team when all is said and done. That's just weird. But BYU got the win up there. I was in the end zone on that one. That was quite quite the drama that day. You were also at the 1996 Pigskin Classic. Okay, funny story about that. I just grabbed a random shirt that day. This is I'm 13. This is the <laughs> second BYU home football game I've ever been to. And I just grab a random shirt out of my drawer. It was maroon. <laughs> I show up and I was, oh, their colors are maroon. Oh, How Texas naive was that? How naive That's was that? such a great story. That was a fun year. I went to like 10 games that year. Vegas, Utah. It was awesome. That was the year I became a BYU crazy. So, so like crazy. So Washington without Sark in the bowl game, that's good for BYU. Better assuming BYU plays Washington, I think you have a better shot at winning that game. Yeah, the Huskies will have an interim coach leading them into whatever bowl game they do play. What's your message on the Utah State whiteboard, by the way? We're talking hoops as well today. Up next, we're inside the lines with Blaine Fowler. He's talking football and basketball and why BYU beat Utah State. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Taysom Mill has some time off for the bowl game. BYU coming out that 28-23 win over Nevada in Taters. Reno. Taters with the potato gun. <laughs> you can follow us, by the way, at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan on Twitter. Join the show's growing following at BYU Sports Nation. Do it. Tonight's men's hoops game against North Texas is on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Pre-game starts at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Then the game's live on both at 9 Eastern. BYU versus North Texas. Uh, get ready for some Know the Foe a little later on North Texas. Not to mention the play-by-play Hank Dickerson will join us. And he, he drove through the snow from the airport this morning. He made it. That's, so that's, so wel- welcome to Salt Lake City. Oh, by the way, it's our first major snowstorm of the The mean year. green. Don't mess around, man. <laughs> What's your message on the Utah State whiteboard? That's a spinoff of uh, something that the herd at the USU herd does uh, on a game by game basis. They bring whiteboards and just change the messages through the game, which I think is a glorious idea. The Rock's doing it now too, by the way, and the Rock yeah. is now doing it. Yeah. We have uh, someone created a whiteboard that you can uh, manipulate the words on. So we've we have tweeted that out. We want to know what your message on the Utah State whiteboard would be in regards to BYU hoops. At Laser Sheep, Cecil drinks Coke! <laughs> in reference to President Samuel Cecil Samuelson. Oh, the, girl, the, the girl that's <laughs> At holding... the caffeine-free institution. On the link up. that we sent out, the girl that's holding the sign uh, is wearing Utah State paraphernalia, and I think her, at her original message was, I literally, literally hate, hate you. you. Yeah. So a message of love. There's that from Utah State University. This is from Joe at uh, Joe Johnston. I'm transferring to the Y next semester. <laughs> <laughs> Another one uh, at Ben to the future. Can I get a rock pass? Yes, you can. <laughs> Keep them coming. We welcome in the first guest to BYU Sports Nation today, the man with the wave, and I'm talking about his hair. Blaine Fowler. I want to ask you our poll question from yesterday, Blaine. Who had the better second half on Saturday, BYU football or basketball? BYU basketball. That was they they really put the screws down on Utah State in that second half and just played so aggressive and pushed the basketball and they looked like a tournament ready basketball team in the second half. I BYU's offense did a night and day from the first half to the second half. I thought BYU basketball played fine in the first half. They played well in the first half and played outstanding in the second half. That's why I'm giving it to the basketball team because by comparison, BYU's offense played poor in the first half. And in contrast, they looked wonderful in the second half. And I'm not so sure we aren't jaded by the poor first half. So we're going to give it to the basketball team because they played the full game. So we're eight games in, BYU 6-2. and two. I called last week the biggest week of games for BYU in the season just because they had three resume-building games. Texas, you get the close win. Wichita State, you lose. And then Utah State, you win. How do you think BYU has done through eight games compared to what you thought maybe it'd be through eight games before the year? I actually feel like they're ahead of where, where I thought they would be at this point in the season. And you know, I think they learned a lot in the Texas game in a win. They they learned how to manage really physical teams. And it wasn't just the big guys down low. Their guards were really physical. And I talked to the coaching staff about that before the Utah State game, and they said, man, that was this. That really helped us prepare for tough games down the road. I think they learned in a loss to Wichita State. They learned that it's important for them to keep the big guys on the floor and to be able to you know, stay out of foul trouble and guard without fouling. That's something they work on continually. And and then I think they learned about themselves that they're they're at their best when they're just pushing the basketball and attacking. And they were at their peak in that Utah State game. They played small in the second half, a lot of that. Um, you know, putting four guards on the floor around one post player, whether it was Austin or Mika. And and they were very effective with that. They were able to rebound because Collinsworth can rebound like a madman. Thirteen, you know? I believe. Yeah, had. he was he was awesome. We we probably didn't say enough about him on the telecast. He was great in that game. Um, and so you got a great rebounder, even though he can handle the basketball and play like play like a wing. Um, and and all four of the guys around the floor when they go small, whether it's Winder or Frank, um, around Carlino and Hawes and and, and uh, of course Collinsworth, every one of those guys can attack off the dribble. BYU hasn't had that for as long as I can remember. Four guys, you can put the ball in their hands and they can attack you, and so. I feel like the young guys are contributing earlier than I thought they would. I feel like this team is figuring out their rotations earlier than I thought they would. And so I think they're ahead of schedule, and I think that this is a team that can make a little bit of a tournament run. 
BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about the atmosphere at Energy Solutions Arena. Our producer Ben Bagley said, uh, jokingly, maybe half seriously, that it was the loudest uh, Energy Solutions has been all year. The poor Jazz. <laughs> well, that's uh, not. That's not. That's got to be true. <laughs> if he says it's louder than it was during the championship year, that's that's another thing. But but uh, I'm sure it was louder than it's been all year. And what was really fun was that. It was probably half and half. I think Utah State had about two-thirds of the lower bowl. BYU had the other third of the lower bowl, and then most of the upper bowl. And so I'd say the crowd, in terms of numbers, was about split in half. And they were getting on each other. It was great. The crowd was a tournament atmosphere. And it was loud and contentious, but fun contentious. And uh, it was what a rivalry should be all about. And after the game, I said said to Dave McCann, we— they need to play this game here every year. This is pretty fun. I, I think they could sell that thing out every year for that Utah State BYU game. Don't I wouldn't have tell a problem that with to it. Utah State. Come to Logan. Yeah. No. I. Uh, they are next season to start the year. BYU yeah. is. I think. I think the way this schedule works, it's a game in Provo, a game in Logan, and then a neutral site game. But yeah. I wouldn't have a problem if it was a neutral site game every year. Have Utah, BYU, and Utah State play their little round robin every year in Energy Solutions? I would love that. I would love it so much. It was fun. It was a great environment, and I think it prepared both teams for tournament play. Hey, and by the way, the Aggies are very good. Yeah, they're a veteran team. They've got depth. They're going to compete for a championship in the Mountain West. I, I would suspect that they're going to be a tournament team this year, and that's a good team. So that's a, a high quality win for BYU. I think BYU's figured something out, and I said it yesterday on the show. That BYU's inability to play small and stack up with Texas and Wichita State kind of hurt them. Where if, and you really only have three posts because Josh Sharp's not playing anymore. Uh, he's on the team, but he's, he's not getting time because of Frank Bartley. So if you have foul trouble for Mika or Austin, it's not Worthington you're bringing in. It's Frank Bartley who's playing the four. So if BYU can play small and still be effective, this changes how BYU goes forward. Yeah, it's You make a decision at that point. Is the matchup going to be a bigger problem for who we're playing or a problem for BYU on the defensive end? And in the Utah State game, the matchup of them trying to defend, they forced Stu Morrill to try to figure out how to defend them. Then you're in a win-win. The, the problem the Wichita, Wichita State game was... Wichita State didn't say, okay, well, we're going to change. No, they went, okay, they got small guys out there. We're just going to just pound it in and attack them. And BYU didn't was not effective enough, like they were in the Utah State game on the offensive end, to make the Shockers think that they had to do anything differently. And so they're getting better at it. They're getting better at playing small and understanding who's got to do what. And as long as you have Collinsworth that'll just go rebound it, you can play small and, and cause mismatches for other teams, especially on the offensive end. Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars 6-2 and two after eight games. They have North Texas coming into the Marriott Center tomorrow night, or tonight I should say. You have an opportunity to call that game. What's the game breakdown of the Mean Green? This, this is a team that likes to attack like BYU. And they have guards that will put the ball on the floor. Their, their MO is, hey, we're going to attack you. We're going to get into the interior. We're going to get to the free throw line. If if you stop us and you collapse on us, then we're going to kick it. We have some capable three-point shooters on the outside that will spot up and, and shoot it. So for BYU, the most important thing in the game is to be able to stay in front of the basketball, to guard the ball, to be able to stop the ball. Um, it's a physical team, so it'll be another physical game. I don't think that uh, that they have the strength or the quickness to be able to match up with BYU with that game plan. But that's, they're not going to get away from what they do. They've got they got a really good quality guard in Elsie Williams. He's a 6'4 senior out of Dallas that's an attack guy, averages over 16 points a game. He should be the focal point of what BYU does. Not only do they need to stop him from scoring, but... When they, when they rotate and help on him, they've got to make sure they get back and find the shooters. But that, that's where it starts. You stop him. If you can stay in front of him, man-to-man, and not have to rotate, then you'll completely stop this offense. Okay, let's play in a word and then explain why. The BYU football season, 8-4. and four. What's the word and then why? Um, as expected, that's two words. That is two words. I'll just say expected. Okay. That's what you I thought. They, I thought wins. they were going to be eight. Some of the wins that... Uh, I, I didn't expect them to beat Texas, but I did expect them to beat Virginia. I expected them to beat Utah. Um, I think they're about where we thought they were going to be, um, and not exactly playing out the way we had the script, but but about what we thought. 
Is nine wins, I mean, if they win this bowl game against probably Washington without Sarkeesian, who accepted the job at USC yesterday, is nine wins, nine wins is good for that schedule, right? When you have a sophomore quarterback and you've got a young offensive line that you really didn't settle in on until a couple of weeks ago, um, nine wins is, is, is a very, very good season this year. Because I've, I've looked in fall camp and said, okay, I think this team can be good this year. I think they can win eight games and maybe nine games. But they should be really good next year. And so to me, that they lived up to the expectations of this year, and now you look forward, they're, they're loaded at wide receiver again next year. They're loaded at running back again next year. Everybody's back on the offensive line. Taysom Hill's going to be a year older. So offensively, they're going to be significantly better. And we know that every year, whether you graduate a Kyle Van Noy or not, Bronco Mendenhall puts a quality defense on the field. I, I never worry about that. So to me, BYU goes as their offense goes because the defense is going to be consistently good every year without fail. So the offense is going to be really good next year. So I, I'm very pleased with the progress they made. I feel like they're right on schedule where they should be, and I think that they should be a top 20 team next year without question. Their secondary is going to be really strong. With Jordan Johnson coming back, you have Robertson Daniel, who's been a pleasant surprise, Craig Bill. So, interestingly enough, the secondary, which has been kind of uh, under the microscope this year, should be very, very deep next year. Yeah. Think about this. Rob Daniel just got thrown into the fire. They expected him to be a backup boundary corner. He ends up being a starting field corner. So his coverage skills have had to improve dramatically throughout the year. Now you can move him over to the boundary. You can be a great boundary cover guy. And you can put Jordan Johnson out there if he gets 100% healthy, a guy that people just can't run by. He's got blazing speed. If he comes back 100% from his injury, you have a couple of lockdown corners. When's the last time you can say BYU has two guys that you could just play man-to-man and bring everybody else? You could bring the house next year and be pretty confident that you're going to cover. That's going to put Bronco in a fun situation in, in terms of being able to dial up some crazy blitzes. I want to say 2001 is the answer to your question. Gennaro Guilford and Brian Gray, where where you had, or maybe that was 98. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm 90, off on that. 96, 98 was Brian 96 Gray. 96 you had Tim McTire and, and Omar, Omar Morgan. Morgan. And, they, and these, these two next year will be similar to that. Now here's the other thing. They're deep there as well. So now you can go nickel. And bring in somebody that's played, and so or play lose. Alani at yeah, that just because yeah. he's like he a can do tall that. He's been safety. Playing, he's been playing the the um, at that. But here's the problem: you're going to need Alani as a pass rusher next year because you don't have Kyle Van Noy. So there somebody else is going to have to be able to do that. You lose Danny Sorensen, which is big because he has been one of the most consistent secondary players BYU has had in years. But but I love the depth. I love the fact that they've had to play a lot of guys this year because of injuries. It's going to make them really good in the secondary next year. So I, I don't have any question the defense will be good. And the offense, to me, has progressed. And I expect that the woes that we've seen down in the red zone this year and some of those things will go away with another year of experience, especially at the quarterback position. And, and the one area that I really want to see BYU address is to establish – a good tight end in this offseason that's a go-to guy down in the red zone next year. Blaine Fowler on BYU Sports Nation. Last thing is Blaine, true or false, Jamal Williams will be the greatest running back BYU ever has ever had up to this point. Statistically, I think he just stays healthy. It's just going to be easy for him, right? You know, because he's been so good. Here's what I love about him. I don't know if I've ever seen a running back play with more passion than he does, or with more swag. Yeah, he, but he just plays. He's on. He, he, they turn him on. It's like a wind-up toy. They turn him on at the beginning of the game. He's full go from the time he walks out of the locker room and starts dancing until the time he walks off the field. Not a lot of guys are that way, and they've had great running backs. Curtis Brown's a great running back. Luke's. I mean, it's hard to compare to Luke Staley, who le, who didn't come back and play his senior year. He'll always be the greatest. He to was. Me. He was ridiculous and. I'll give you this. I talked to Kyle Whittingham, and this is not, you know, this is maybe six or seven years ago. And I said, Who's the toughest running back you've ever defended? Now, think about the defenses Kyle's had to put together. He goes, Well, I'm telling you what, Luke Staley, you get down in the goal line. If you, if they just toss it to him and he gets to the edge, you're always going to underestimate how fast he's just going to blow right by your guys. Then the next time, they're going to overplay it because they're going to think, Wow, that guy's way faster than I thought. And he's so big, he's going to plant his foot and cut back inside and just break five tackles and score. He says, There's really no way to defend that guy down on the goal line. He was a freak of nature. And if he had stayed healthy, I believe he would have been a pro bowler in the NFL. So, from a skill set perspective, I don't know if they've ever had anybody quite like that. He's a freak. Jamal 
because he plays with so much passion and he can he can find the tiniest of holes and get through them, he's going to end up statistically the best guy they've ever had here. He's Ronnie Jenkins 2.0. Yeah, he's awesome. Blaine Fowler, thanks for bringing him, man. Good to be with you guys, as always. Oh, Blaine Fowler always bringing it up next. North Texas basketball all access with the Mean Green and their play-by-play voice, Hank Dickerson. You, my friends, are listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs. Tyler Hawes just about to pass his dad, Marty Hawes. Marty! On the all-time points list to BYU. I believe he needs just 19. It's going to happen tonight. It's going to happen. Tyler Hawes and the Cougars take on North Texas Live on BYU TV, 7 p.m. tip, Mountain Time. You can watch it live and you can listen live as well on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out here in Studio 2 of the BYU Broadcast Facilities. Hey, Jerem, do you have a... Post-Christmas plans, my friend? I do. I'll be in Provo producing the pre- and post-game show. But if you're a BYU fan that can go to San Francisco and you want to see the Fight Hunger Bowl, you can get your tickets right now on BYUtickets.com. Believe it. Yeah. What's your message, by the way, on the Utah State whiteboard? We're spinning things off of uh, something the USU Herd does, their fan base. They bring whiteboards to the game. And uh, with uh, magic markers or whatever they call They're them. They're so magical. And uh, they they change the messages throughout the game as, as it progresses. It's a brilliant idea. We're asking you what your message is on the Utah State whiteboard. We'll get some of the more clever tweets that we've received uh, coming up after the second guest of BYU Sports Nation show today. And that is the play-by-play voice of the North Texas Mean Green, Hank Dickerson. Hank, I understand you survived the snow. Uh, how was the drive uh, from Salt Lake up here to Provo? Luckily, pretty short. Uh, I haven't made it to Provo yet. I'm actually at the downtown Marriott uh, uh, in Salt Lake, but we'll be going up that way here in about an hour for shoot-around, so I'll be able to gauge it a little bit better then. But it's definitely not Texas, I'll tell you that. We apologize for the snow, uh, and uh, (laughs) luckily the game's being held indoors today. But tell us a little bit about this North Texas team uh, off to a 5-3 and start this season. Well, the five and three starts a really good one. We're a program that uh, normally goes out and plays an awful lot of teams like BYU early uh, in the season. Coach Benford, his second year, has kind of tried to create a little more balanced uh, start for his team. And uh, actually getting five wins in the month of November is only the third time that's happened in school history. So feel like this team that has a bunch of newcomers on it starting to gel pretty well. And uh, obviously this will be the biggest uh, test early in the season that they face tonight against the Cougars. Hank Dickerson, the North Texas Mean Green play-by-play voice. Hank, what are the players that we should look for uh, as BYU fans uh, that are, are the scorers on this Mean Green team? Well, uh, there's a couple of players who came in as freshmen that are really fun to watch, especially when they're on the floor together, and that's Chris Jones, who's a junior out of Garland, um, Texas, which is basically a suburb of Dallas, as well as Jordan Williams, uh, a junior from Dallas. Uh, Those two don't always play in tandem as much as they did early because Williams has been coming off the bench, but they're two really fun athletes to watch. And then uh, a kid who started out actually at Oklahoma, matriculated to Paris Junior College, then to Marquette, but followed Tony Benford from Marquette to North Texas, T.J. Taylor is really a special kid. He's battled a lot of injuries, but now that he's finally getting healthy, we've seen what an explosive offensive player he can be. So those are the three I would say to to watch out for tonight. handful of seniors on this team, uh, one of which is... Alzi Williams, is, am I saying it correctly? Alzi, Alzi, Alzi Williams, and he is nothing but steady. He's our leading scorer, probably not the flashiest guy you're going to see, but just a terrific slasher and a really good finisher at the basket. Yeah, six uh, six four, senior, 16 points a game. Uh, what does North Texas need to do to, to hang with BYU tonight, you think? Well, they're going to have to be able to run uh, the way they're capable of, but in control all night. And I think you know one of the big things for North Texas is can they attack in transition and then the other way, try to limit BYU to one shot and hit the boards. These are two good teams in terms of rebounding numbers this early in the year. I don't know if North Texas can battle on the glass with BYU on the road, but to be in contention for a, uh, an upset, they're going to have to. Hank Dickerson, play-by-play voice of the North Texas Mean Green, joining Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on BYU Sports Nation. So I'm really interested uh, to know about the Mean Green, Hank. Where where does that name come from? What Where did that be, become established? 
Well, back in uh, the late 60s, we had a gentleman play football for us known as Mean Joe Green. There you go. Great acclaim with the Steelers. And uh, at that point in time, the uh, sports information director uh, was coming up with some nicknames for the defense, and his wife actually said, you ought to call this defense the Mean Green. And then with the success of uh, Joe Green, that moniker really stuck through the 70s and into the 80s. Uh, Eagles is our traditional mascot. Um, but in the 2000s, we felt like it was a good time to bring back Mean Green because it celebrated some real success. And it's different. You know, there's a number of eagles out there. Matter of fact, when we looked at it, there were 270 different eagle mascots from the college ranks all the way down to, to middle schools. So oh. to stand out today, you know, you, you kind of have to forge a new identity. And we went back in time and have rebranded Mean Green. Well, last week, uh, BYU played Wichita State, and we asked their play-by-play, what's a shocker? So Mean Green, to me, just makes a little more sense than a shocker, which is the person who bundles wheat. By the way, how do you feel if you're Mean Joe Green? You know you've made it when uh, a school has their uh, decides to just name name their mascot or turn their, their name into uh, something that deals with you. That's That's got to be quite the honor for him. Well, we've had several great athletes over the years, but none that really walk anywhere close to, to Mean Joe. And luckily for us, he is retired now officially from uh, football, worked for the Steelers for a long time after his playing days and uh, as an advanced scout. But he lives real close to Denton, Texas, comes to all our games, has great seats, and uh, is a member of our Hall of Fame committee. So we we see Joe quite a bit and always great to to be around him. After some time in the Sunbelt Conference, you make the transition to Conference USA. What does that mean to the program? Well, you know, we've seen it already during this football season. For North Texas, you get a chance to uh, battle some teams with more regional relevance to our fan base, and especially when you talk about the Texas schools, whether it be a UTEP or a Rice that used to be in the old Southwest Conference. That means an awful lot, uh, you know, in our league. I think what we're going to find from a basketball perspective is some really, really good teams that may be coming from farther east. You take a look at what Charlotte has done already this year. East Carolina has been a very tough team. Uh, UAB, obviously. So there's some teams in basketball that our fans are probably not quite ready for, but I know Coach Benford is, and he has a lot of respect for how good a league Conference USA is. What's the recruiting like for uh, for the coaches there at North Texas? I mean, there's so much talent in the Lone Star State, but how do, how do the coaches go and, and try and spin these players to get them to come to Denton? Well, certainly a focus in our athlete department for all 16 sports is let's take advantage of about a two-hour radius because you nailed it. There are a ton of great athletes uh, throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and in the entire North Texas region. But one thing Coach Benford's done this year, trying to kind of kickstart this program and get it back to where it was a few years ago, he's taken advantage of an NCAA rule. He's gone out and gotten some players that have exhausted their eligibility and graduated but not exhausted their eligibility as seniors, and they were able to transfer into our program without sitting out a year. And that includes guys like Fertrell Vaughns, who is a George Mason. He's an excellent three-point shooter. He'll play for us one year uh, as a senior. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting little rule out there. But uh, basically, he scoured the nation to try to find some guys that could come in and, and help us hit the deep three, something we missed badly last year. And uh, I think once things settle down a little bit, the focus will be in our own backyard. North Texas play-by-play Hank Dickerson is on BYU Sports Nation. Is there, uh, I guess, what else is famous about North Texas besides necessary roughness being shot there and Mean Joe Green to the average, uh, to a BYU fan? Well, we've got a a proud uh, music tradition. It's a great music school. It's produced people through the years going all the way back to uh, Pat Moon, who old-timers remember as as a big sensation in the 50s. And then you fast forward to Nora Jones right now. Uh, nice. in, the mi- in the middle of that, Don Henley and the Eagles. Some people surmise that the Eagles' nickname came from his days on our campus. So really, really proud music tradition. Hank Dickerson, play-by-play voice of the North Texas Mean Green. We appreciate the time and safe travels getting from the downtown Marriott uh, here to Provo. Well, we're going to try to be safe. We're going to try to stop Tyler Hawes, and I, I hope we can do both. But if we can't stop Hawes, I hope we can stay safe. <laughs> Certainly. We appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Hank. All right, we do this every week. We're gonna, we're gonna, he told us some things. In fact, he brought up he, a, he took, brought up a number of my uh, my insider yeah. edge. I was like, ah, yeah. some of my stuff. We do we play <laughs> a game called Know the Foe, where Jeremy and I try and stump each other on uh, uh, teams B while you were playing. And <laughs> every time you would say something, I'd be like, well, can't use that. Uh, can't use that. The can't Mean use Joe that. Green. That's funny that they Mean Green as in Mean Joe Green. That's fantastic. Wow. I, I had no idea. I had no idea. The BYU Jimmers. Just roll the music, Aaron. Let's do this. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? 
Okay, Jerem. I'm going first. Were you paying attention? Where is North Texas located? Denton. True or false? My grandfather, my, my grandpa Linton's false. first name is Denton. True. True. Hey, you did two in a row, punk. <laughs> What's the mascot's name? Uh, like, uh, like BYU's is Cosmo, right? It is. I just I just saw this. It describes your it's basketball a, it's skills. It's an eagle. It's Scrappy the Eagle. Scrappy. Scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's with the personal <laughs> shots? We're playing ball at, uh, in about an hour and ten minutes, so yeah. Uh... I get it. I get two in a row. Okay, fine. Who? Here's my be, here's my best question. Nope, I'm going to save my best question. Who has more undergraduate students, BYU or North Texas? More undergrad students. More undergrad. North Texas. North Texas by 1100. Okay, so it's closer than I thought it would be. 28,911. It's closer than I thought it would be, but he's mentioned the population, the sheer population of yeah. that area. I would imagine that there are a lot of people that uh, that go to that school. Bring it. Okay. True or false? Four percent of students of both genders are members of social fraternities and or sororities. Wait, true or false? It's right on four. I'll go false. I'm gonna go. That's gotta be higher. It's true. What? So that was surprising Only to me. Only four. That was surprising <laughs> to me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when was North Texas established? 1890, 1891, 1892, or 1893? Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm gonna say just because. Uh, Hurry not, up, man. Not, Ninety was Ty Detmer's Heisman Trophy year. I'm gonna say 1890. Booyah. Yes! Thank you, Ty Detmer. Yes. All right. Are we done? Because he, he stole everything uh, else dude, from I, me. I have two North, more questions. Okay, go. True or false, North Texas was once formally called the Texas Abnormal College. <laughs> what? Uh, false. That's correct. Oh. It was once called the Texas Normal College. Okay, here's my best question. What is more... The cost of 12 credits at North Texas in a semester for a Texas resident or BYU's 12 games of total offense this season? <laughs> what? Only a stack guy would come up with this question. What is more, the cost of 12 credits at North Texas in a semester for a Texas resident or BYU's 12 games of total offense? I'm going to go with BYU's total game. It offense. is BYU. Yes. 5,994 yards as opposed to the tuition of 4,372 for North that, Texas. That is a great question. That wraps up No the Foe. I think the real winner here, the music. The music, yes. Straight out of yes. Denton, Texas. The North Texas Mean Green, named after Mean Joe Green. I learned a ton in that interview about North Texas. Well, yeah, necess- did I say unnecessary roughness? I think I did. It's necessary it's ne- roughness. great movie. Kathy Jason Ireland was Bateman the kicker. Was in there, yeah. Kathy Ireland was the kicker. <laughs> so it was shot at... Uh, North Texas, but they called them Texas State. Texas State didn't exist at the time, 91. There is a Texas State now. And Utah State beat them on their way to a WAC championship last year. That's what Utah State needed to win the WAC. I'm looking at our producer, Ben Bagley. <laughs> the Aggie. We also got my, I don't even know what to call that laugh. Aaron, play the, play the crazy laugh again. <laughs> I still can't believe I produced that noise in my throat. You'd, you'd be surprised what else we have. Oh, my goodness. What's your message on the Utah State whiteboard? We discuss the more clever answers coming up, plus the Cougar Whip Around and today's Rise and Shout. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Simply, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Women's Volleyball. They're going to be comfortable playing good opponents, and I, we consider ourselves a good opponent. They're going to. This isn't going to be anything new to them. They're they're used to playing those bigger bigger schools from the Pac-12, and so you know I think we match up well. That's Sean Olmstead of the women's volleyball team on True Blue last night, talking about the matchup with Arizona State, who BYU will play. Friday at 10 Eastern in Hawaii in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The match will be streamed on NCAA.com. The winner plays the winner of 11th-ranked Hawaii and Idaho State on Saturday. Women's basketball. BYU 6-0 for the first time since 2005. The Cougars traveled to Reno, just like football did on Saturday, to play Nevada tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's all about getting lucky number seven. Men's Volleyball. BYU senior outside hitter Taylor Sander is a preseason off-the-block Springbok uh, first-team All-American. No Cougars, surprise. Cougars play a blue-and-white match this Saturday 
at 8 Eastern in the Smithfield House. It's free if you'd like to attend, if you're local. Upcoming guests this week. How about Friday? Gary Cavalli making a second visit to our show on BYU Sports Nation. Executive Director of the Fight Hunger Bowl. We'll ask him about BYU and who their potential opponents could be. Uh, that will be announced on Sunday. So a uh, busy week for the people at the Fight Hunger Bowl. Who gets our rise and shout today, Jerem? I was just thinking about that. How about we give it to the Y-Factors? Kyle Collinsworth, Frank Barley the fourth. Sure. We're going double. Have we ever done a double? Have we done a double? I think we've, I think we've done it. Have we? I don't know. Whatever. Okay, whatever. Show 67. Yeah, we can do what we want. What's your message on the Utah State whiteboard? We go back to Twitter, at FRuiz801. He says simply, Boom shakalaka! There we go. Nicely played, FRuiz801. Boom shakalaka. At Denton Goodman. His name is Denton. Denton, yeah. That's where North Texas is. Just like football. Just like football. Yeah. At Laser Sheep. Goggles for everyone. You know what, you know what, <laughs> you know what, Chan, I hate? Overrated. Like, if you're beating a good team, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to say, oh, you know, you're not overrated. You are rated highly, and we beat a good you're team. You're really good, and we beat you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. We need to come up with a shorter one. At Y for Life. Mr. Mr. Get me out of here. That's a reference from, I believe, uh, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yeah, there you go. The Mr. Mr. Lady. At Spencer King 14. Battle of the Creameries. <laughs> one vanilla to rule them all. At Doug BYU Coog. A little blow at the Aggies. Here at USU, we call it March Sadness. Oh, I may be a little unfair because the Aggies do have a notable upset win in the tourney, right? As a 12 seed. Here we go. At Alan Miller underscore BYU. This is, this is not our production assistant, right? This is somebody else. This is another Alan Miller. This is why we won't play a tournament at Energy Solutions Arena. <laughs> Keep them coming. What's your message on the Utah State whiteboard? Just because the show ends doesn't mean the goodness has to end. Right? Keep it coming. Big thanks to our guests today. Blaine Fowler, Hank Dickerson, and everyone on our crew. Producer Ben Bagley, Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, Station Manager Don Chaline, Production Assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, Dave Neely, and our engineer Erna. Also like to thank Mean Joe Green, just because I want to. Okay. Check out our new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and much more. You can listen to episodes of the show on demand at the newly launched BYURadio.org. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to a Tuesday snowy edition in Provo, Utah, of BYU Sports Nation Class Dismissed.